Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, Shane Nickerson. Shane's produced hundreds and hundreds of hours of television, most of them for MTV, and it is the gift that keeps on giving. He has a super successful company, Super Jacket. He formed that company with Rob Dyrdek in 2013. Together, they created the massive hit show, Ridiculousness. But even that didn't happen overnight. He shares a great story on how that finally got made after a lot of passes. We talk about his early days at MTV, where he worked on some of my favorite shows like Nick and Jessica, The Newlyweds, and Rich Girls. And one of my favorite stories to date, how he ended up on the front page of the National Enquirer with Cameron Diaz. It's a crazy one. Okay, so I'm here with Shane Nickerson in his beautiful offices in Glendale. Is that where I am, Glendale? You're in Glendale, California. (laughs) I've been running around today. I don't even know. I'm looking at mountains, but that could be anywhere in LA. But yeah. I I think those are the Glendale Mountains. They're beautiful. I don't know what they're called. (laughs) Um, But I feel like I'm in a very hopping building, like Hollywood. Like it's very. Have you never been here? Never been here, but I feel like I should because there's a lot going on here. There's one here. Have you been to the Hollywood one? Yes. So same. It's all the same. It looks like similar logo and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a weird mix like you'll have there's a lot of unscripted here but then all of a sudden that like zach penn has a office <laughs> here and he'll have his like like 1960 aston martin in the, in the parking lot um right um and it's there's a lot of turnover so it's just constantly new people got it so we've been here for several years for a while yeah so i don't really know that much about you starting off i always say how i met my get how I so we just met today but yep. we were introduced um i had put a post up a couple months ago asking for podcast guest recommendations. And we were introduced by... Wandu. Wandu, who I don't actually know in person, but he seems like a very lovely human being. Oh, he's the best. We're yeah. Facebook friends. And he was a producer for you? Yes. So he recommended you. And then that name, when I looked you up, your name struck a bell because we have another mutual friend, Brian Samuels. That's right. Who had spoken highly of you and had done some casting and and... Right, work with yeah. you guys. Oh, over. yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. We, we've worked with him for a lot of stuff. He's great. He's the best. He we is. had so much fun. We did like a recap of the best shows from the year, and we just we watch a lot. And so when we get, we're like two yentas talking about everything. Do you watch the same type of program? We do, and it's funny because like I'll recommend something to him or vice versa, and like nine times out of ten, we love the recommendation, but like for that last one, we'll like vehemently disagree. <laughs> you know, like he like loves the comedian Chris D'Elia. Like I can't stand him. Oh, I like. I think he, Chris is funny. I don't get I, him. I saw him a couple times stand up. I'm like, I'm not getting it. But like. Maybe I, he's not for everyone. He's not for everyone. And like, I love the BH90210 reboot, mm. like unpopular opinion. That's but where he, you lose me. Yeah. He was literally like, that's the worst show I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so yeah. we do diverge at certain points, but he's been a friend. I've known Brian for years and years. So. He was your first guest, if I'm not mistaken. He right? was, you know, it's funny. For some reason, iTunes posted my first two guests out of order. Oh. So Brian looks like he's my first, but actually Den- Jenny Daly was my first. Oh, okay. I'm sure you know Jenny. I don't. Wow. Not that I know of. Maybe. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. Cause I'm like, how do I not know Shane? And because you kind of have this like amazing niche. I'm an outlier. Right. And yeah. like you're wildly successful in your world, but it's not like, you know, you're not doing true crime and housewives and all this other stuff. You have a very concentrated really booming business in what you do. So I don't know how I, I honestly I couldn't explain it. How did a boy from New Hampshire, how did a young boy from New Hampshire. Um, Where did you actually grow up in New Hampshire? 
I grew up in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Not that it, I mean, which I is right next to Manchester. Okay, which is Manchester the only and Nashua are the know. two yeah. places. And is that where Adam Sandler's from? That's yeah, my Manchester, okay. Manchegas, they call it because it's the hops. It's like oh, if you were going to do anything, you'd have to go to Manchester. There was Manchester. nothing in our town. And then, like, how many people at your school? Was um, just tiny? Not too tiny. Um, I think our graduating class was 300 or so. Okay. So, like a normal size high school, um, but definitely small town feel. But it was a suburb of Boston, so it was also, even though New Hampshire is traditionally pretty conservative, southern New Hampshire leans a lot more left than than the rest of New Hampshire. So it's a nice mix of real, like, backwoods, like, conservatives and then sort of more progressive um, liberals. That's a good mix. The the common denominator is it's really cold. Freezing, <laughs> which is went... why, which is why I got the fuck out. Right, but you did go. back. I think I saw a post that you went back. I know over... it's weird. Like you I, torture yourself. No, I, I <laughs> being away for so long. I, I don't know if it's just New England or just wherever home is, but you, you can't get it out of you. Yeah, you so, pre- and you appreciate it probably. more. Oh my god, I love. I it's it's it feels more like me than L.A. ever has. I know exactly what you mean. When I'm in New York, I'm from New York. Yeah, I always say it's like I come into myself. Totally. It, yeah, and you don't realize that you're not. You're hundred percent yourself. No, but you aren't. You're, yeah, you're. I mean, I'm. I've gotten pretty good at at trying to be the best version of New Hampshire me here that I can. But when I'm in, I go to Maine. Um, yeah, I lived I in a, Maine. I know. I listened. I heard that <laughs> okay. you, you worked in Bangor, right? Your first job. I didn't even know her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, dumbest joke ever. Which is yeah. I love Maine. From, I love Maine. I love Maine. That's yeah. My brother and I have a have a house there. And um, which town? It's called Harmony. Okay. And it lives uh, up to its name. I mean, it's the most peaceful little beautiful town. What did they the call lake. the houses in Maine? They're on the lake. Camps. Camps. I was like, wait, yeah. is it a camp? Okay. And I try to say, like, I yeah. people that aren't from there, I'll sometimes live and go, I have a camp there. And they're like, Yeah, like you have a summer camp? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like a little cabin. So you guys share uh, I mean, so you bought a house together yeah. and then you go back look, with your families in the summer. We go in the summer together and then my brother and I go back. We hunt there, we fish there, we go snowmobiling, ice fishing. It's a it's a year round escape hatch for me. Anytime I can get out, I'll just go for a weekend. And where do you fly into? Bangor. Okay. I go f- through Philly. Yeah. So LAX to Philly to Bangor, which is about an eight hour day, but it's so worth it. It's worth it. Oh, even like 30 hours there, 36 hours or, you know, two and a half days is such a refresh for me. You know, we went to Palm Springs over the break and we went up. Have you ever done that air tram thing? Yeah. Okay. So I never even knew about it. I've been there a bunch of times. And then, so the thing is, is that you get to the top of the mountain and then you walk all the way down and then it just becomes a winter, winter wonderland. It's incredible. And everybody has sleds. It was, it was just reminding me of what you were saying because I felt so alive, like in that way that, cause I don't like the cold anymore. I can barely tolerate it, but it was like that perfect kind of cold where you didn't really need a winter coat, but you were still in snow and your cheeks were red. Yeah. And I felt that familiar feeling that I haven't felt in so long. And I did, I felt like. I woke up. Yeah, it does. It it jolts you back to sort of some connection to being outside, which it's not like you're not outside in LA a lot. You know, there's plenty to do. It just doesn't have the same effect. It, I don't know. I can't explain it. And I think, again, I think it's because I'm from the East Coast and I, I grew up in the woods and it's just not the same. It's yeah. not the same. I mean, I don't know enough about the sort of like Lake Arrowhead, Mammoth, Big Bear situation. Like maybe that feels more New England day. A little bit, yeah. but it also has that tinge of being a vacation destination, Got it. which is different than living off the land where you grew up. <laughs> right, you know? So right. there's also, there's like, there's lots of like, you know, uh, 
rent your rent a kayak here and it just feels like a it just <laughs> right. feels like a summer place you're renting fun yeah you're, you're renting not just fun. like living it exactly it's like visiting a zoo of <laughs> people that are on vacation i know i was praying to like see a mountain lion or something like super authentic <laughs> that would feel like <laughs> Some not sort of planned yeah, that, yeah like i didn't have to take a tram to find so all right so did you go to college on the east coast too uh keen state in keen new hampshire oh yeah it's a small little offshoot of um unh right and so no i've heard of keen so then after, did you move here right after school? And like, how, did you know that you wanted to go into this business? Uh, well, I didn't move here to do production. I, I, <laughs> Never happens no. that way. Um, I met my wife in college um, doing Little Shop of Horrors. And I had never done a musical. I so doing like you were acting theater, in it? Theater, yeah. Because I, I always wanted to try acting in college and I never had the confidence. And then I sort of just hit a wall. I was in a fraternity and I was drinking a lot and I got <laughs> I got kicked out of school and I had to write a letter to get back in. Oh my God. And I was like, I got to get out of here. So stopping drinking for a little while, I got suddenly realized like, oh, I can do, I can audition for this. And I had confidence and I just went for it. And it was just this weird fluky combination of factors that contributed to it just being the perfect experience. Did you play the dentist? Yeah. <laughs> I just How did you know that? that? I don't know. I, was, I just went for it. You know, it's coincidental. I'm going to see my wife's birthday is this uh, 21st. So we're going, we're flying to New York um, Friday to see Jonathan Groff as Seymour in Little Shop. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I that's, love him. Yeah. When I, I saw that play when I was 16 years old on Broadway mm -hmm. and I, I'll never forget it. It was, it was electric. Oh, it's it's yeah, so much fun. It was just a, it was the most life-changing experience for me to do that show, meet my wife. Was she figure, in the show too? She was in the show. She was, a, she was a high school, she did theater all through high school. She was a doo-wop girl. And it just, you know, you have moments in your life where your trajectory gets changed. And I felt it, you know, I just, I finally realized like, oh, if I can find any career close to this, this business, I want to do it. So I just started reading all the acting books I could read. Like I would just go to used bookstores and read anything, even if it was outdated, I just gathered as much information and made a plan to either get to New York or LA. And New York would have been closer. <laughs> I know, but it was uh, the last winter that we were in Keene. It was one of those winters where right. it's, it, you think it's over and then like there's three more snowstorms. Oh yeah. Was it 96? It was 90. <laughs> no, I moved out here in 90. So that would have okay. been 94. Okay. And Oh, 94. No, no, no. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's what 90, I actually meant. I was in Baltimore. I will never forget that winter. That winter broke I just had, me. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I, I'm getting, uh, I'm never coming back. I meant 94. That's insane. I literally remember that winter. Yep. So we were kind I love New York and I was leaning there because it felt a little safer, but I'd never been to LA in my life. But then we, what that winter, I, we, uh, I decided, we decided let's just get out of here. And so we did a children's theater tour for like a year, my wife and I, and then just like, like the cliche, we packed up a U-Haul and I had like a thousand bucks, maybe not even, we didn't have an apartment when we left. I had to like, I was checking no cell phones either. So I was like right. calling pay phones <laughs> right. for my friend that was out here who was looking for an apartment in like in Colorado. We knew we had a place to live. It was crazy. Looking back, I can't imagine that my parents let me do that right. without but panicking. It's so great because it's just nothing it's could ever happen like that again because of technology. It's true. Like you just, you don't hear those stories anymore. No, they, like they would go three days without knowing if I was alive. My parents, <laughs> you know, it's just back different. in the good old days. And it wasn't that long ago wasn't. No. But everything changed so quickly. It did. So when you got here, did you think that you were going to pursue theater? Acting. So immediately I, I started classes at the Growlings. Yeah. And, um, Not easy to get into. The the first level you can get into. Okay. But I went through the whole program and got into the Sunday company and performed there for a year with people like amazing I, people. I was just going to ask, so drop some names. Um, Will Forte. Wow. Cheryl Hines. Yeah. Um, Oscar Nunez from The Office. Angela oh Kinsey from The Office. 
um, like there's too many names to wow. list. I mean, just the mo- and at the time you don't know that because they're just your peers. They're <laughs> right. people that are like your level. Um, Incredible. And it was again, like again, another one of those moments where I just found my people out here. I found my tribe. Yeah. And uh, that's coincidentally how weirdly how I got into reality because they were um, Robert Kaplan who did, he's a producer who was used to work at Bina Murray, did road rules. And I think, I think real world too. And Melanie Graham, um, who was a groundling and worked with Robert, did a show called Instant Comedy with the Groundlings. And he called me just on a whim and was like, hey, do you want to come be a stand-in for this show we're doing? And I was like, yeah, for sure. I'll take the 80 bucks or whatever it was. <laughs> right. And um, that's how I met Robert, who gave me my first job on um, Big Brother as an assistant story editor in 2000. So how... This is maybe a little gauche question, but how were you making money then those six or five years before... You got your first job in reality. During that time, I was doing every, just every shit job you can do. Okay, I waitering. Was, I was a doorman at the Pretty Woman Hotel. I was a, <laughs> I was a bellman at the JW Marriott. I was a waiter. I was a caterer. I just, you just piece it together. You were really doing like the acting oh, thing. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. took the most, like the most cliche path. <laughs> right, it really through is. Through the shit. But I was, it, it was part of it. I, yeah. I, was, I didn't mind it. It was yeah. like, I, in my head, I knew that was... I, I knew it was going to be hard and it was going to be a challenge and I didn't mind suffering. I just knew that it, I knew that if I, if I, if I could pay for groundlings and keep doing that, it didn't matter what I had to do to get there. So, um, so basically eventually though, commercials started helping me. I started booking commercials. Oh, okay. So I did some national commercials. Some real money. Compared to <laughs> 11 bucks an hour <laughs> with including tips. Yeah. Real money. So did you know when you took your first job in reality that that would be closing the door on oh, the acting no, career? No, no, no. Okay. It didn't. It didn't it close didn't. the door. Okay. No, I did both for, I did both up until a few years ago. Wait, what? I mean, I, not a few years ago, but all the way through, I think my last national TV commercial was four years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So crazy. I, 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 You've been double dipping a long time. And I, and I <laughs> never really, it took me a long time to admit that. I really wasn't an actor <laughs> right, anymore right, right. because I I always thought of reality as a, like a, a bill paying job. Right, right. And that's why here, like, I always encourage people that work here to have side hustles. Go do that other stuff because yeah. this may last or it may not, but do the thing you love if you can. As long as it doesn't interfere too much with your job here, I'm not. I'm never gonna. As long as the work gets done, I don't really care. That's cool. I like yeah. that. I mean, I, want I like that you're. To... I like that you're assuming that they don't love what they're doing. Well, it's not that they don't love. You can so love sad. lots of things. You can love lots of things, and you since don't... we know this sucks, go do something you actually hey, like. I just take my approach, which is like, yeah, this is a this job has been great. Yeah, but I mean, if I was going to choose the most fun thing to do, right? Like, I don't think it would be like tackling network notes in an edit bay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's it's super rewarding in different ways but i think you need more than this in your life i like that i like that i think that more bosses need to be about balance and about letting that trickle down i think so too because you end up having people who are more rounded yeah and they are happier yeah i agree so then okay so what was your first job like my first my first reality job yeah oh so uh robert kaplan that who i mentioned to you called me and asked me if i he was doing the first season of big brother over at CBS. That was with, at the time, Evolution. They Doug did the Ross. Season, Doug Ross and Endemol. And uh, I had never done anything. <laughs> right. But he was awesome because he's like, oh, you can figure it out. You're smart. You're a good writer. You can do it. So 
I got hired and it was at the time, I'm not gonna tell you how much it was, but it compared to what I was making, it was a crazy, I couldn't believe, <laughs> right. and CVS was overpaying everybody. I don't think they really knew at that time. Yeah, the good old days. They were kind of just like taking like, like, like scripted rates and just sort of trying. Wow. So that was like 2000, yeah. 2001. Okay. So when I, honestly, when I found out like how much I was getting paid, I could not, I could not believe it. <laughs> but then pretty quickly they lost a story editor and then I just got moved to story. With Again, no like, experience. No experience. <laughs> but I, I picked it up really quickly because I knew story. I, you know, I was a writer. I was an English major. And I understand. I, I grew up on TV, so I knew how to tell stories. And honestly, like within two weeks of being a story editor, Melanie Graham and I were essentially segment producing. So <laughs> I would come in in the morning. Story editors would submit all of their stories to me. It was a crazy schedule back then. We would get all the stories that happened overnight in the morning give them to editors who would cut them for a live fiber feed at like 4 p.m. to air that night. It was one day. I, so it was just one day a week, one night a week? No, no. It was every single day. It was every night. It oh, was my every gosh. single day. Oh, my gosh. So so we would, I, I would take that. the segments and I would kind of try to pick the best ones and right. sit with editors. And I didn't know what I was, I was just like right. <laughs> faking it. You know, I was like, oh, I think this is good. And then Gen Maynard would come in at like three, give notes quickly do the notes and then send it to New York for air. Isn't it crazy? Oh, like it you were crazy. doing like live news. Essentially. I, I was doing live news with zero experience. <laughs> right, and then, and fun. then, and then like sometimes skirting out to try to get to like a McDonald's audition across town. <laughs> right. You're living your other life. Yeah. So, and it, so how long did you work on big brother? Just I worked for the whole season. first season and it was so fun. It was like, I got really into it because those house shows you get really attached to it. And, and I, I would be there really early and I'd stay sometimes I'd sleep there because there was <laughs> there was never downtime right you're, you're watching people yeah, and all cameras day long. are on right all you the don't want to miss anything so right. I kind of got into it and I and wow. I um and then that job ended and I didn't I didn't immediately go back to reality I booked a commercial a Bud Light commercial which bridged like another year or so and then that was 2000 then my first job at MTV which is really when my kind of never-ending career started was um uh, Rich Girls, season one. Do you remember that show with Allie is Ali Hilfiger? Hilfiger? Yeah. I've 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 hung out with Ali. <laughs> Long story, but um, yeah, of course, I love that show. There, that show is like a cult classic. It's underrated. It is because it it predated Simple Life, and it was yes, it predated Newlyweds. It was it was kind of right after Osborne's, and it was Greg Johnston. The same. Do you know Greg? No. Oh, Greg's awesome. Yeah, you should, you I should, should talk to him. Oh, so he did the Osborne's. He did the Osbournes, Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica. Oh my God! Hello. He did, I mean, he's he is. Is he no still in joke. the business? Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. He is like the unsung godfather of the reality that we have known for. A really As I was gonna say, time. my favorite reality. Got, Osbournes really started it. They did. So, Rich Girls was before the Osbournes. No, Rich Girls was around the same time. Around a little bit after. But who was the, the best friend? This, who was um, Ali's Jamie best Gleischer. friend? Right. And was her was dad somebody? Some suitcase sort of yeah. with, uh, <laughs> luggage. Right. Like magnet. Right. Oh my God. Well, yeah. So that was so different though, because big brother, you know, was not, this not real sort of like doc you follow. And I mean, I guess there's similarities. No, it's but way, it's, it was way different because yeah, was all different the footage muscle. was shot. Exactly. So that was right. You didn't have to go like, as it was happening. No, we, I would sit in an office like this with 400 VHS tapes behind me oh my and I'd have VHS. to just watch them, take notes on word, highlight the ones I'd watched and, and make a script out of, just existing content. So you would literally take 
everything you had and then like let it sit in your brain and then figure out how do I tell this story and steal sound bites and, you know, make this funny and have a through line when it didn't the way it played out naturally. I mean, there'd be like a core through line, but you'd have to supplement it and really make it funny. Right. And who was the MTV regime at that time here? Um, okay, let me think about that. I think <laughs> Lois Curran. Okay. Um, I don't think Drew I thought was she was there out yet. of New was she out of New I thought she was out of New York for some reason. Oh, she was in LA. Okay. I think it was Lois Curran. Dolgen was still, Lauren Dolgen was still yeah. there. Do you know Lauren? I'm pitching her on Friday. I said I love Lauren. Yeah, I've only met her once when she was at MTV. Oh, she's back in the day. She's, but the, but the she's another one of the like just the old school. She yeah. brought Jackass there and exactly. Team Mom and Yeah. And then Drew Tappen is a very good friend. Yeah. You mentioned Drew. Right. Yeah. I know Drew. Yeah. yeah. Love him. Yeah. So He's that great. was that era. Or right before that era. Okay. That was the beginning of that. That was the beginning of the MTV reality era. Osborne's John Miller, it. was he there yet? Because he was there for Beavis and Butthead, I think. I don't know if we ever had John Miller, but okay. But there's been so many. So many regimes. So I yeah. don't... Rod Asa was there. Oh my gosh, right. That's right. Okay. Rod Asa and... Uh, um, I don't know. I should know more. Bl I think Blythe Capello. I love her. Um, I she came in a little later. Maybe that's... Okay. I didn't was realize. Dol Dolgen was definitely there. Okay. I'll mention oh, it and, to her and, um, Michelle Klepper was there too. She was more in the, I don't know on her. the um, Talent? line producing side. Okay, got it. But so you did the MTV gig, and then and then like what what happened? I did the MTV gig, and it just kept leading to more gigs. So, so at MTV, at MTV, yeah, right. So I did I did Rich Girls, then I went to Newlyweds Nick and Jessica. Um, All right, slow down there. We got <laughs> we got to touch on Newlyweds because that's an iconic show. So that was, awesome. that was a fun one. Yeah. So what? Give us some good gossip. Let's just oh, get right to I, it. Okay. I don't have any good. Oh, come I don't on. really have gossip, but I have a great story, okay, which good. is that we'll take it. when I was on, I, we were all in the same office. It was at the um, IMAX building over in Santa Monica. I don't know if you know that, but it was kind of near, it was an offshoot of 2600. Um, and I was working on Rich Girls and back then it was just, you know, five people in an office <laughs> with their headphones watching VHS tapes. And um, Sherry Brooks, who was working on Osborne's, was in that office with me and this guy, Jeff Nucera, who both of those um, people were producers on Osborne's. And I hear Sherry just start howling. And she's like crying, laughing. <laughs> and she calls us over and she goes, can you guys please watch this? And it was the iconic now moment where Jessica Simpson didn't know if tuna fish was right, chicken or fish. Chicken of the sea. And it was just like, so, that so, was the begin That right, was when so that show knew. was discovered. That, yeah. But that really was the essence of that show. From that point on, it just became a, a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. And at the time, you know, it was a really funny moment, but we didn't realize the importance of it. Right. But it kind of defined the tone of that show and Rich Girls too, because it was happening at the same time and a lot of the stuff that followed. So I always think, at least in revisionist history, I think of Newlyweds as I Love Lucy, right? So it's kind of the ditzy... Uh, his, you know, silly wife and like, okay, Lucy, you know, Nick was kind of Ricky Ricardo. Yeah. There's some truth to that. I mean, there, I really liked both of them after watching yeah. thousands of hours of footage, <laughs> which is rare. It is. Usually you hate them by the end. Yeah. They, they, they were both, they were both cool. Nick was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was definitely an element of sort of the meathead guy that was like perpetually frustrated by his wife, but I like to think, I mean, having watched all the footage, I think that at least right then they really did care about each other a lot. It was, That's what I was, was wondering. Real, there it, was real, there was a real relationship there. It felt like it. Yeah. It felt like it. So I'll tell you back on the East coast at the time in another world far away, um, I was at VH1 and this is when, I don't know what season of newlyweds, but maybe there were rumors that there were some cracks mm. in the marriage. 
And the big rumor in the VH1 world was that she had cheated on Nick with Adam Levine. Did oh. you ever hear that? No, I never heard that. Yeah. So I just, I wondered like if that ever circulated into the... It never showed up in the footage. They they were very TV savvy too. By, yes. by a couple seasons in, they, they um, you know, and that happens. You, you know that. Like at first people are so excited to be on TV, they'll do anything. Then the show becomes a hit and they start to have a little bit more power and control and they start setting guidelines and rules, which they should, you yeah. know, especially if cameras are in your house every day. It's right. Like, it's no, like it has to be reasonable. Prisoned. Yeah. I can't remember which, if Newlyweds is already on the air, what was what, but I went to Orlando to do something with her and with Destiny's Child at the time. And I remember going into the dressing room with Jessica and um, Ashley. Ashley Simpson. Ashley, that's her yeah, name. her yeah. sister. And I just remember Jessica was kind of whatever. She was sweet, but she was just, you know, not phased by the camera. And Ashley popping along. She was probably, you know, 12 or whatever. And she wanted to be in front of that camera so badly. Yeah. I mean, it was like thirsty. And she got it. And she got it. Yeah, she it got was just it. funny because I thought like, Jess seemed take it or leave it. And Ashley was like, I'm ready for my close up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But Joe was, you know, very overbearing. And oh, my God. Was he a pain to the producers? Um. So I wasn't in the field. I really wouldn't be able to comment on that. But um, I, I always, re I always can sympathize with the talent too. So it's her dad, and he's protective, and I get that. So I, I don't know. I, there was an interesting side note: is back then there was a website called Television Without Pity. I don't know if yes. you remember that site. And there was one guy who used to review our show, whose screen name was Stee S T E E, <laughs> who got it so like he was seeing stuff that we knew and could see, but he was seeing it so clearly and his, his write-ups and they did like, basically they did like episode recaps right, right. with a lot of snark I and it. It, his were so on point and we would read them and laugh so hard. And I finally, I emailed him and I was just like, I don't know who you are, but it's like you're in this office. You really get it. So who was it? Did you find Stephen, out? It's, it's a guy named Stephen Falk okay. who created, um, uh, okay. First, he wrote on weed. He was a producer on Weeds, oh. but he created um, the FX show. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of it. What's um, it about? You're the worst. Wow. So which is amazing really... writer. Holy shit! And, and he and... was the one starting out recapping Newlyweds. Yes, That's and we great. kind of became friends afterwards. I yeah. Mean, as like you see as you me. Be. Yeah. You, you see, see us, you get us. Yeah. Um, but he used to call Joe creepy uh, or <laughs> pop, Papa creepy Papa Joe or something like that, um, which wasn't fair because I just think he was being a protective dad. That makes sense. I like what you said about. You know, coming from where you sit, you're an actor, you're quote unquote talent so that you have a different appreciation for the talent that probably makes you a really good producer. Well, maybe so. I, I definitely um, I definitely align generally with talent before I do with a network, which I don't <laughs> know if that's a good thing. Sometimes I think it's probably the bane of a network's existence that I'm that I've taken the talent side. But it serves me better because it's their show and I want them to be happy more than anything else because that, that creates better content. So it's, it's kind of self-serving too. I just know that listening to them is going to pay me more dividends than listening to someone who's got seven shows and this is just one cut. Well, yeah. And like you said, I mean, there's no show without them. So why would you not be on their side? You know, yeah. I mean, it just, I always wonder about that when you're kissing, not you, when one is kissing up to the network at the expense of talent, it's like, how is that going to help anybody? If you lose the show, you lose your show. Network's not going to matter anymore. That's true. You know, it's just like you said, it's self-preservation. Yeah. So where did you go from from that? What was the evolution? So I then became, I became for a little while MTV's go-to like 
hired gun to help fix problems. <laughs> the fixer. The fixer. So uh, there was a few things. I did this. They they gave me this Wilmer Valderrama driving show that I was working on for a little while. And there was another, I forget, there was some other pilot. And then they handed me this Cameron Diaz show called Trippin'. Yeah, I remember that. And and they were, it was, they knew they had Cameron Diaz and they, they knew that they were, they wanted her on the network, but the sh- the cut was just this big blob, right? And so, um, I just got to work and started, you know, writing around it and trying to find some pickups that would help tell a story. And Cameron came in, and I, st- I got to be friendly with Cameron, and we worked together with her partner Elizabeth and created this this cut that they liked enough to pick up the series. So we did a, a season of Trippin, um, which was just an insane experience. I got to travel around the world. What was your favorite place? Bhutan. Yeah. And I ended up on the cover of the National Enquirer as Cameron's new love interest. Stop it. Which is not true, but it was published. I mean, listen, great PR. <laughs> There's worse people to be linked up with. Oh my God. It was the we- weirdest, worst. Was your wife experience. like, what the hell? She wasn't. <laughs> no, she wasn't. And, and I had, a, back then I had a blog before anyone, before anyone had blogs, oh. but thank God, because it, it allowed me to. Tell your al- story. Yeah. No, seriously. And in fact, MTV told me to take my story down. Because they wanted the publicity. They didn't want... No, they, they wanted d- people to think that you were with Cameron? No, no, no. They, no. Oh. they just didn't want anyone... They didn't want me to have a voice in it. They wanted to just like... Oh, and put I it said, under the rug. Okay. I said, no, there's no chance. This has nothing to do with you. This right. is my This is my reputation and my. this is my own fight, not yeah. yours. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. This is a big deal. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. We sued them and won and they what? retracted it. Was she with someone at the time? Justin. Oh, so no she wonder. was chased everywhere. She was always every time she ever came to do voiceover or whatever. So wait, they were in the Bhutan taking pictures of you two together. No, this was they took those pictures outside of a voiceover session at uh, Oracle Post in Santa Monica. Got it. Okay. And so, but I thought, I thought they there chased was like this. You to, no, that would be bed. incredible. No, the whole story is so crazy. They showed up at my door and knocked <gasps> on the door and asked if I wanted to comment on Cameron. Were you so confused? I was so confused because I knew that. She was such a huge, at that point, tabloid target. Right. But I was so accustomed to okay. having to run interference and you know, help her in the building and stuff. So when they showed up at my door, I just thought, oh, they want dirt on her. So I said, no comment. Not realizing, like, you I'm the, the story. Yeah. So that made me look way more guilty. Oh, my God. And then they ran it and they put it on the front page. There was a four, there was two two page spreads. They went to my hometown and interviewed people I went to high school Wait, with. This is insane. I know. And then what did you say on your blog? I said, give me a break. I said, my, my, I said, luckily my wife, I forget the quote, but it was something like my, my wife would have been the first person to high five me if I was hooking up with Cameron <laughs> That's Diaz. Good. That's perfect. Yeah. Because it's so ridiculous. Right. And I mean, there was a part of me that was like, you guys really think that I'm going <laughs> to pull you. her away from Justin. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, but it was, it wow. actually was very invasive and a little bit scary because they, I found, I heard from everyone I've ever known in my life. They went and reached out to every single person that they could tie me to. That blog became a liability for me because I had mentioned people that I knew. And then they just started. They used those people. They just started targeting (gasps) any connection I had. My God. So then what? So so then she, I told, I immediately told her and she was, she's, first of all, she's the coolest ever, like the coolest person ever. And the first thing she said is, what do you want to do? Yeah. Let's go get him. If you want to go get him, we're going to get him. And I said, let's get him because I, I want them to retract this. Yeah. I want there to be public admission of guilt that this right. is not a story. Right. Because the the thing that sucks so hard is that 
no matter how much you protest, no matter how much you say, it's already out there. And oh, people yeah. have already, maybe 80% will b- believe you. But maybe, still, or maybe yeah, 50. Maybe, exactly, or maybe 20%. I, I guarantee you there are still people, right. my friends. <laughs> We're going to set the record straight on well, this podcast. No matter what, they, even if they hear this, they're going to go, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, but did you? Right. Um, I believe okay you. With, now I'm okay with it. I believe you. At the time, <laughs> I, I was, it was very traumatic. So you hired a lawyer. She went to my, they went to my wife's mom's school. Are where you she teaches, me? Where she teaches and pulled her out of class and said, we need to talk to you about your daughter. She thought that she'd been killed. Oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah. So yeah, people make jokes about it, but this is real life. Like you could destroy people's lives. They do all the time. They do all the time. And that's why I don't <sighs> believe, I do not believe anything I yeah. read because I can see now how yeah. they do it. And they, they pick a fall guy. They'll just blame the paparazzi that shot the shot and just say, oh, well, he said it was real. So we believed him. Wow. Yeah. So, so anyway, what happened? Yes, you got a lawyer and you sued. She hired a lawyer and we sued together, and they eventually settled and um, and published a printed retraction saying that we apologized. It wasn't true. Did you get money? We got a settlement. Good. Yeah. It didn't set you up for life, but it was great. Yeah. But no. Right. But you would have wished it hadn't happened. Now I guess it's a fun story to tell. <laughs> right, but at the right. time I would have. So what year was this? This was like, probably two thousand five. Now, was this good publicity for the show? No. <laughs> it wasn't. No, it had no okay. impact on the show. Okay. The show was, show was problematic. but um, <laughs> That's another story. Well, that's another story. We did a season of it. And then I went directly from that to Rob Deerdeck. Okay. So I got the next thing that they handed me was this pilot called Rob and Big Black. Okay. So talk about this because this has kind of launched the whole thing. This is where it all really started for me. Okay. Um, yeah. They had shot Jeff Tremaine and Ruben Fleischer. Jeff Tremaine, Jackass. Ruben Fleischer back then was a music video director and now has gone on to do Zombieland, Zombieland 2, Venom. He's a huge feature director. Okay. But they, Ruben directed Robin Big Black on this um, gumball rally thing where he was like embedded with them on this race, this um, car race. And Robin Big Black just had this incredible chemistry that he recognized immediately and went to Jeff Tremaine, who Ruben knew and said, hey, there's a show here. And Jeff was like, oh my God, yes, you're right. There is a show here. And Jeff knew Rob Deerdeck because this is all, I know, probably pretty boring, but. No, it's R- interesting. Rob was a skater. Rob is a skater, yeah. was a skater. And Jeff was the creative director of Big Brother Magazine, which was a skate magazine. Okay. So he knew Rob from way back and they hung out and, you know, they had a lot of the same friends. So it was just a, for those three, it was this perfect combination of, of talent to bring the show to MTV. And MTV recognized that there was something to this. They shot this pilot that I think really just got noted to the point of recognition. Yeah, because Rob's original pitch on it was always just two friends living in the hills doing crazy stuff. But it got beaten down and from from network notes and all these different voices into like this, you know, they always want to put some some big premise behind it. So it was like Rob Deerdeck's rules of success. And they wanted to like Number one, you know, and just like have like a, like this weird format. That, right, right. Which is just not needed. Right. So, so they were living together. That was the premise of the show. Yeah. So so anyway, the, the short version is that I got this thing. I met with Rob. Jeff went to Jeff and Ruben had other stuff going on. So I had some time to sit with an editor and just distill this down to I always have explained it as like I just come off of newlyweds. So I just made it newlyweds with these two guys. That's right? awesome. And they were friends and they were both. It was like odd couple. Yeah. And which again was Rob's original pitch. So really wasn't taking it too far away from the original pitch. Yeah, you just, just finding bringing that. it back. Yeah. And then did you and Rob have, was it love at first sight? Did you have instant chemistry? Oh yeah. I mean, we definitely creatively, I think that 
I, I don't want to speak for Rob, but I think that it, I think he was relieved that he, that what he thought was there really was there. And, and it just, I helped sort of expose it by, because I had time to sit with it and, and get it to closer to what he wanted. That yeah. I think that we've always connected creatively. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I don't think it was love at first sight. I think he was very skeptical, <laughs> right. but, um, once it worked and then once the se- once that first season worked, yeah, it was, it was just, we've worked together ever since. How many seasons of that show happened? We did three. Okay. So you were the showrunner on that show for oh, three yeah, years. I was the, the everything runner. I was, I, that was, that's my baby of all the things I've ever done. Really? I did. I was, I was in every, I know every second of that thing. Like it was a composition. Um, and, uh, I wasn't in the field though for the first season. Um, but then for all the rest of it, we were writing it. We would just show up in the morning. This was before we, I mean, we eventually found a system where we would beat it out before we got to the field. But in those days you just shoot, right? We'd shoot in the morning and listen to them talk and hear them say something funny and then send some field producers out to clear like a big man's furniture shop because they talked about it, you know? Wow. And then, yeah. It was seat of your pants, seat of, seat of our pants and way harder to do it that way. Yeah. Um, so did ridiculousness come out of that show? Ridiculousness came out of the fact that Rob did not want cameras in his house anymore. He was just done. He was done. And right. it, cause we were there, we were there <laughs> late and early morning okay. and that's taxing. And then how, for how long's the production period? Like a couple months? Yeah. Again, like that was, we would shoot sometimes for, I want to say like 18 weeks, you know, it's a long time, a long time yeah. to get 10, 13 episodes. 10 episodes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so he was, so he decided to end it. So he, well, it caught, there was tension because of the grind of the schedule and yeah a lot of factors and he just it was time to for him to stop that and um but in the middle of second season I think or third season around big he showed me this article in Hollywood Reporter about Vindabona and he it was that Vindabona's company was worth a billion dollars or something like there is syndicated syndicate he's I forget what it was is that true the syndication of, of like, AFE was like a billion dollar business wow and he's like this is the future. So we created a show that was a much faster paced version that incorporated a more modern take on viral videos, which was what was on the internet. Right. And grouping them really from his point of view and having it be in sort of the cool lingo that people knew from Rob and that, and, and, you know, I mean, that's the secret to any good show is shape it around your talent. Right. That's the one thing that no one, no, they can't steal that idea. Yeah, like exactly. Talent, yep. Just make it specifically their POV and it's, it's, right. it's theft proof. Yes. Agree. So we did that, me and Jeff Tremaine and Rob. So what do you do? You bring it as an idea and then they pilot it? We pitched it three times. <laughs> so we, we first brought it to Fox. We brought it to Chris Darnell and we pitched it on a, on an Xbox because that's how we knew how to pitch it. And we didn't want to risk that they wouldn't have the you know the right dvd player or oh, something because we, we were trying to pause it and go back and the way that ridiculousness works <laughs> is it's it's dynamic you're watching right. and he's going go back let's see that guy's right hair, right, you know? right right so we had to have that really down oh that's cool so we bring in an xbox with the yeah. wires and the remotes and how late was mike darnell for the meeting he's an hour late okay there you go yeah Just but he was change. when he when he like, showed up <laughs> super cool so i'm shocked that wasn't he wasn't into it as a he was really into it okay he was really into it and 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 um, ultimately it didn't happen. I can't remember why. Okay. Um, then MTV was really into it and they said, yeah, let's do it. And right. then we were filming, I think f- maybe by that point, fantasy factory. I don't, my, my years are off, but, um, timing wise it didn't work. And then there was a regime change and it kind of fell away. And then we pitched it again to, um, Oh, 
who's Diga? Um, yeah, um, Liz Gately and Tony DeSanto. Tony DeSanto was running MTV at the time, and um, and he finally said, let's do this. So we. Did so how that. many years or months past the original pitch? Did oh, two, maybe two years. Wow. A year? And you knew, but you knew, like, I'm not going to give up. This is a good idea. Oh, we knew. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because the, the goal was, and the and our our saying to each other was straight to syndication. Like, our goal was a race to try to get this thing to syndication. Yeah. Even though it was MTV. We, yeah. So how does that translate then? It doesn't really. <laughs> okay. just, you know, we but a million wanted, seasons is kind of like syndication. And a million episodes. And how many seasons has it been? Uh, we are 16. <laughs> wow. Going into 18 and we're picked up through 22. That's incredible. I know. It's, it's, it's lightning in a bottle. I mean, it's a once in a, yeah. once in a career type thing. It's incredible. So did you know as soon as you started, it was going to be a hit? Well, I knew, I knew we had Rob and he's, he is, I can't, I can't stress enough how rare of a talent he is. I mean, nobody can do what he does and, and he makes it look really easy, but he improvises that whole show every night or every, you know, every episode. Wow. All just, it's just all, uh, purely his reaction. So there's no scripts. There's no scripts. Really? There are no scripts. Holy shit. There's not even, there's not even written jokes for him. He just has ins and outs. He helped, you know, we build the episodes in his voice, which we can do really well at this point. Yeah. And, um, He'll tweak it sometimes, or say I don't like this one, or put that at the end because I have a I know what I'm going to say for that. Right. And then he'll before each show figure out what that connective tissue is between each category, what he's going to say to the guest if we have a guest, and just have the whole thing built in his brain. It's really I mean scary, uncanny. Yeah, how that's good uncanny. He is. Yeah. So I knew we had Rob, right? <laughs> and I knew how good he was and how much people liked him. So I thought that that was going to help us. But then after we did the pilot, it was clear that there was something. And how many episodes was the initial season and how many is it now? First episode, first season was 16. And um, every season, well, after that, they ordered 20 episodes per season for about eight cycles. Wow. And then when Chris McCarthy came to MTV, which was not that long ago, I guess, a few years ago. I don't even know. I, I My years are, like I said, muddy. But he started doing bigger orders and, and doing like 42 episode cycles. But times four. So we'd pick up four cycles, 42 episodes each. Wow. Yeah. This is this is it. And this is it. So did you, at that point, did you start the company? Like officially? No, we started, we started the company um, uh, during Fantasy Factory. And, and the, first, the first thing we did, uh, even before we really had it figured out, is we just put an end card at the end of the show next to Dick House. We'd put Super Jacket. Where did Super Jacket come from? Um, it, was an, it was an inside joke from... A few episodes of Fantasy Factory, and the premise of Fantasy Factory was, um, it was an it was a workplace comedy in Rob's giant, like play warehouse of an office. It was a skate plaza with a foam pit, and you know he had like his corporate people working upstairs, and it was it w- it really was an office comedy, but it was just in a very unusual office. Was it MTV? Yep. Okay. And we did seven seasons of that. I don't know how I missed that completely. It's I mean, it's it's. I'd say it's male comedy and right. it's in, it's on MTV. Right. I mean, yeah. Are you watching right, MTV? Exactly. There's probably those two factors together. But it seven it seasons. It holds up, man. It was really funny. I mean, it, yeah. it it was like as close. To, it's really as close to working in improvised scripted as you right. script, scripted improv as you right. can get, which is what I trained. I mean, that's yeah. Brownings. That's what I did. So I was getting to so fun. kind of direct these non-actors into right. creating comedy moments, and they're just so good at it that it made it easy. 
That's amazing. So then, um, okay, so then you formed the company. In so the we formed the company, the- and then at first we we still like think of it back then as a broco. It was just like we knew like <laughs> let's get a couple avids and start keeping some of the money in the building, and um, with no real plan. Right. <laughs> you know, the plan was loosely like let's sell more shows in the spirit of of your brand, Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, uh, we. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we we sold three series to Nickelodeon. Um, Jagger, this show called Jaggerine's Mega Life, which is a, about a, um, a young skater, back then young skater who was uh, had this crazy life and got to do cool things around the world as he traveled. Um, Crash Leads, which was a... Yeah, I remember Brian talking about yeah, that one. Yeah, right. He helped us find a lot of the athletes for that. Yeah. Um, it's like a... Gronk. Wasn't Gronk? Gronk was our host yeah. for two seasons. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, the Dude Perfect show. First, it was CMT and then moved to Nickelodeon. And then because Rob is a very strong business minded person and and realized like we need to tighten this up, we we started getting serious about how we were going to build the company and and take it from being this sort of revenue stream into being a viable, hopefully at some point, sellable option. So, so what we, did that we entail? With, well, the first thing we do is we met with Steve Michaels. I love Steve. He was so generous with his information and his knowledge and just his time he brought us into his have you been to asylum yeah of course walked us around and showed us how an operation worked which i know may sound obvious but we didn't really know i didn't know how to build i'm not that guy i'm a i'm still like in my head like a commercial actor (laughs) so trying to process all this information and start thinking about business then we hired um matt cabral to help us sort of run the and, and josh green and these people that could be the adults (laughs) <laughs> here, you know, to, to make sure That's that we funny. were, to make sure that we were building towards an exit, to make sure that when someone did come in and was serious about buying us, yeah, that we had been doing it right for a long time, yeah. And and that, have you guys been bought? Yeah, we okay. just sold. So I didn't realize at that. End of December. Oh wow, was mm-hmm. it announced? No. So oh wait, I don't know you much can't I can say. Holy I mean, shit. I can tell you that much, but I, I think there'll probably be a press release in mid-January. Oh my God, this is breaking news. Probably by the time this comes out. I think so, yeah. You'll be on the beach. You won't even be in here anymore. No, right? I, no, they're, they're, no. Well, no, that's a huge yet. deal. So I know you can't tell the details, but you know that's what you were building toward and that yeah. happened. And you know it's not easy and there's not necessarily the paydays that there were, you know, whatever, six or seven years ago. Although I'm sure hopefully you did really well. Um, how, what does that mean now for you and for Rob and for the company? Um. Well, it means bolstering our efforts and having, a, I think, a slightly more focused directive on where we're headed. Um, and it means continuing to um, build this new entity to hopefully do the same thing again in two years. Right. Because it'll be, you know, it's now we're, it, it's a bit of a roll up. So it's, it's the goal is to. Then all of you will be bought together. Strengthen it as a as a bigger thing. Yeah, that's amazing. So as I started the podcast by saying, you know, you you guys have a very specific POV and an amazing brand. Um, is is the goal creatively also to keep building that brand and kind of the the bro space as you called it? Um, Did I call it that? I you said broco. Did you say broco? Oh, we were a broco, meaning like two bros with a company. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. But I, it was never our creative vision to have but the bro space. Although I guess that's not entirely ina- inaccurate. We we definitely fall in the same category as Jeff Tremaine's company, Gorilla yeah. Fix, which I mean he's way more edgy than we are. But y- younger male comedy is 
what we do best. Right. But we've branched out beyond that. We did a cooking show and we Yeah, I saw that in the hallway. So what was the cooking show? It was called Snack Off. Okay. First title I wanted was Snack Down, but at WWE <laughs> is very perfect. litigious. I know. They'll literally come after you for Snack Down? That's what the lawyers thought. I would have now That's probably why there isn't a show called Snack Down, honestly. I would risk good, it now. Right. <laughs> I say that I probably wouldn't. But um Who was that for that show? MTV. Oh wow, cool. And we had Chrissy Teigen and Nice. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Eddie Wong, who did Yes, um, I love him. Yeah. He, he's a huge talent. Um, um and I it's like the one that got away because I I knew Chris I knew then how good Chrissy was and obviously yeah. Eddie his talent speaks for itself and Chrissy's too, but Chrissy was a little bit more unknown then and I just knew like She's gonna blow up. Oh, I knew it. And they just Yeah. It's one of those things that happens. Yeah, and and it's frustrating when you can't bottle that up like you did with Rob. I mean, yeah, you were able to get Rob at early, you know, like and and grow yeah, with oh, him. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I've always said this: Rob would have been equally successful with or without ever meeting me. He's just that's just who he is. I got lucky enough to get partnered with him, and then we got to share kind of different types of success. He got obviously continues to be successful. And I got a career that I actually really enjoy, which I never expected in this world. That's awesome. Because you can, I know a lot of people who just bounce from like dating show to, (laughs) you know, crappy house show to whatever. And I don't think I would have lasted doing that. Now you said like when you met with Steve that you had to learn the ropes and you still considered yourself like a commercial actor. (laughs) Do you feel like an entrepreneur slash businessman now? Okay. Even with everything you've done? Not really. It's very strange, and I and I know that's probably just my own insecurity, but I I've I always just feel one foot in in almost everything I do, and I don't know if I'm protecting myself from hedging failure. your bets. Yeah, there's I look back and 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 I'm proud of my accomplishments. I'm proud of having my name on uh, big shows that have lasted a long time. That's that's hard. It's hard yeah. to do that, but I still don't think of myself as one of the industry people. Like I I don't I don't feel like I fit into the unscripted world that well. We I go to real screen and stuff like uh, the worst. And everyone knows everyone because because <laughs> a lot of people have worked at a lot of different companies. Right, I've right. only yeah. I got this weird right side lane that just stays sort of parallel to it. Right. But right. I don't know everybody. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit of a blessing and a curse, right? So I mean, I think so. I think that you to be able, you know, people would love a kind of career that you've had. Oh, I, lo- I love it. You know, and I'm not saying you're not, but I'm just saying in terms of not having to bounce around to have yeah. that kind of lane that you found where you've succeeded and grown. I mean, it's a great story. I'm very happy with the way it went. I am. And I, and I'm, you know, the expression is, um, what you want is not always what you need. <laughs> and I, I don't, I couldn't be an actor. I mean, I, I, I could have back then, but now if I was still piecing together <laughs> right. jobs with three kids, it, it just wouldn't have worked. And I don't still have that need that I did when I was younger to prove like I can be funny or I can, you know, look, I'm talented. Like I don't have that anymore. I have not, I don't feel that at all. I'd ra- I'm the opposite, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't want the attention. But that's good. I mean, it's good in the sense that you know that and you don't have yeah. that longing that's going to be there that you can't fulfill. I feel like that's an unsettling feeling. It is. I would feel bad. I would feel, I would be very unhappy if I had this regret, like I let my real dream get away. I don't feel that way at all. Now, I would go do another commercial tomorrow. Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. But I don't need to. I don't I don't need I don't have that need to go out and audition. And, yeah, this is the perfect place to be. And yeah. that's also of course when it will happen too. You'll get a call out of the blue. Like, I know. Okay, I sure. That's funny. Um so then I guess my final question is in terms of your future, you mentioned that the goal is to sell the company again in a couple of years. Then will it be okay? I'm gonna go retire off into the sunset. Or are you gonna like what does it look like for you in the next five to ten years? Boy, I 
I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer because I have never had in this past probably 10 years, I haven't had a, t- a period of time where I can just sit and reflect and think, what do I, who am I? What do I really enjoy? I don't even know. I, and that sounds stupid, but if you took this career away from me and I had to start new on something that, and, 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 and I, and it wasn't about making a living or it was just about something that I really wanted to do. I don't know what that would be. So right now what I enjoy doing is bringing people in that I can help and, and doing favors for my friends. And, you know, and I've always liked that. That's always been a perk of the job because I always feel like I'm almost cheating the system where I'm like, come on, you can do this. The way that Robert hired me, I didn't know what I was doing, but it didn't matter. If people are smart, you figure this out. It's just reality. Who cares? It's just TV. It is. And it's so much luck of having that person who's going to take a chance on you or who sees the potential in you. Right. right? Because once you're in it, it's easy. You can figure it out. And if you don't, then then I have to have a tough conversation with you later and say, we tried. (laughs) We tried. And you just don't have it. And I usually don't do that anyway. I'll look at soft landing them somewhere (laughs) else. I'll make somebody else do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. No, always awkward. What do you do? What would you do right now? You know, I would love, I would love to do more documentaries, but with money. (laughs) Right. That's the key. That's the key. This one was by hook or by crook and it was challenging. Yeah. Then it becomes a passion project. It was. And I'm, listen, it was worth every site. It's on the festival. We're in like our 25th festival now. What's it called? It's called Latter-day Jew. People have heard this. Oh, I I read about that. You see it on my website. Yeah, I saw it on your Facebook. Yeah. So I know I've been promoting the hell out of it. You have to. Yeah, you do. And a lot of it is word of mouth. And that's how we've also gotten into all these festivals. So it's been great. And, and to, even though I wish I had had more money to do it and all of that, the fact that we didn't and it was so hard does make it more rewarding now oh, yeah. that like it's getting, you know, good feedback. And I, I, also, I know we're almost done, but yeah. I think that if you work with no money at first, it you really appreciate it when you have it, <laughs> right. when, you, when you actually have a budget later because I will. you can spend it better. Yes, I definitely will. And that's the other weird thing when you know TV, it's like you do the thing, you get the money, you go make the thing. Yeah. And this was so, you know, like asking for money and, you know, oh, it's, that's, the, I hate it's it. It's the worst. I would, yeah. I would love to never do any of that again and just do creative stuff. Exactly. Well, I don't even like calls. I, exactly. <laughs> just don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Just, yeah. I'll let you know when it's done. A hundred percent. And that, sorry, that is the other good thing about it, which was that because nobody was paying for it, I could do whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was very open to feedback and my I had great producers that really helped make it better because mm-hmm. you know you're so close to it and and uh and so it went through many iterations but ultimately i don't have network notes you know yeah which is good and bad yeah i mean listen netflix it, if you want to buy it and give me notes i'm all for it just somebody <laughs> you know we haven't gotten there yet we're gonna probably sell it in a couple months so oh that's cool yeah it's been a really really good experience so yeah so there's other things you know but it's nice to be in a place as you are where you have the luxury to kind of I say, agree. let me figure it out. And if this is what I keep wanting to do, I'll do it. And if That's not, true. I'll do something else. Yeah. And that is a luxury. There's so few times in your career when you get to pause and take a look back. Yeah. And you'll most do of that. The time you're just trudging forward and keeping your head down and hoping it doesn't end. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Next time you'll be, you'll be figuring out your life like snowshoeing and, Maine? The middle of Maine yeah, somewhere. I hope so. Yeah, which oh, would be man, perfect. Sounds like the dream. Right? Well, that's that's it. I yeah. just found the dream. <laughs> Snowshoe guide? <laughs> exactly. Right. There you go. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's I really time. appreciate it. 